After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. In the beginning of practice, you're often saying it from the standpoint of, God, please show up. I'm not feeling it. It's just like Jackie was describing it. You wake up today, I had a, I didn't sleep well last night. My heart is kind of closed. So you're saying your mantra, suppose it's Ram, Ram, Ram. You're saying Ram, Ram, please Ram show up. You showed up before or Ram Das said it showed up for him or it talks about it in the book, please show up. And when you do that with enough passion, with enough courage, then a relationship begins to form. And the mantra then is a love affair between you and Ram or you and the mother or whoever it is, that there's this juicy thing going on. Hi, everyone. It's Raghu, and I'm back with Mind Rolling and uh, doing a little intro this week because I wanted to talk about something very, well, personally dear to my heart, uh, a concept which really is represented by who Ram Dass is, was. And uh, this week we did a, uh, uh, a live stream, uh, Ram Dev. Dale Borglum, myself, and Jackie Dobrinska. And we had uh, oh, a whole bunch of people, six, seven hundred people tuned in while we chatted about the concept of heartfulness. And of course, the reason for that is that we have this quite wonderful course called Ramdas's Yoga of Heartfulness. And I, I really explained it out pretty well in terms of my own connection to this theme, to this concept, to this practice, really. And uh, it was my first meeting with Ramdas, where he created this heartfulness space. At least it was the first time that, of course, I had no idea about that term, but it was the first time that I had really uh, opened up to a trust that uh, I had not experienced prior to that, except maybe when I was a baby and with my mother and that kind of not unconditionality, which is a big part of it. So we, um, I just felt that the talk that we had between the three of us was really edifying and uh, had some great, great, uh, truisms, some great truths uh, 
that came out uh, in, in, while we were talking. And uh, particularly, uh, so I told my story, which I've told a billion times, about meeting Ramdas for the first time in Montreal at, uh, when I was program director of a rock and roll radio station. And that is, from that moment, this concept of heartfulness, um, which I, I'm so glad that we, you know, it came up and Jackie uh, came up with the, uh, with the idea because we wanted to do something around yoga of the heart, which is our tradition. And so, th- but this, to me, more properly, um, it was a better container, shall we say. It more properly considered what that means, heart yoga. And uh, so, uh, I, so I wanted to share this with mind-rolling audience because um, I think it's really useful. And since we're all about balance, and that's what I love to talk about, whatever can contribute to a day-to-day better balance in, in our lives is, I'm, you know, I'm down for. And, um, and the, uh, by the way, this course, of course, features uh, Ram Dass's, um talks, both from before he had the stroke and after. So there's some things in there that I don't think uh, we've really shared much of, and I'm talking now with the hat of uh, Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. So there's some really interesting um, pieces from Ramdas post-stroke that uh, were filmed and recorded in Maui at the retreats that we did there while he was alive. Um, But it's not the other great thing about this is that it includes so many of our friends, of Ramdas's friends, uh, from so decades, uh, the great teachers that we've been privileged to work with and uh, learn from as well. I mean, uh, so Jack Kornfield, Krishna Das, uh, Sharon Salzberg, Mirabai Bush, uh, Trudy Goodman. And Ramdev, who is in the broadcast, as you'll hear, does a, uh, a, to me, and I say this in the thing that we did, just such an important practice. It's called Tonglen. And uh, you'll be able to understand what I mean by that because it's really interactive and interconnective with beyond our solitary it's me and i'm in this little package and i gotta worry about that so it's a beautiful practice to expand ourselves out into an interconnected view shall we say perspective and you know and bottom line is i you know i really believe that this concept which which features the most common sense attributes, shall we say, generosity, compassion, loving kindness, loving awareness. These, to me, these are the things that you just, you understand, wow, you know, we do want to be transformed so that uh, we can change our hearts out of the isolation and separation and protectiveness and defense mechanisms and so on. 
we can do it. We really can. And then we can, uh, Ramdas's whole thing was how to change your heart and then radiate to everyone that you bump into in life. And then we have a chance to maybe make a little bit of a dent in the polarization that we're living in. So this is the Heartfulness course. It's just go to ramdas.org slash heart. And you'll be taken to a page which explains it all out in terms of what all the different topics are and who's involved. And there, there's a, a, oh, and there's also live uh, each week live teachers just talking about the particular uh, flavor of the week, shall we say, the theme of the week. And and they include uh, Mirabai Star and Jai Utah. And uh, Jai Utah is is also in in the course, uh, telling this fantastic his his telling of the Ramayana. It's really sweet, really sweet. And who else is there? Krishnas and I are going to do us something one one of the weeks. And um, God help me, I'm forgetting who the fourth person is. But uh, it's all up. That's the point, though. It's all up on. Ramdas.org slash heart. So just just go there and uh, uh, Nina Rao, it's Nina, my God. How could I forget Nina in that moment? But again, Ramdas.org slash heart. And thank you for being here. And I hope you uh, get something out of this, uh, what I thought was a really great uh, kind of panel thing that we did. The other night, this is Raghu at Mind Rolling on Be Here Now Network, and stay tuned. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. We're in this thing called satsang, sacred community, with other people whose hearts and compasses are pointed towards truth. And we're people who want to live with more heart in the world. And we gather in calls like this so we can share wisdom and hopefully better navigate this thing that Ramdas called the human predicament, um, especially in these times. So tonight we're talking about the heartfulness as a way of life. And I think all of us here probably want a little bit more heart in this world, right? Heart in our politics, heart in our systems, heart in our lives and our interactions. But, but you know, how do we begin? Sometimes we can touch it. Um, sometimes it feels far away. Sometimes our hearts feel dry. And tonight we hope to share just a few pieces of some things that we can do and just some of the aspects of all of that. Um, But also know that this is just a small snippet because uh, we're going to be offering a course that starts May 15th on the Yoga of Heartfulness. Um, And we'll talk more about that later. But if you want to dive deeper into more practices and um, more lectures, that's something you can look into. So in the course... um, I wanted to bring something forward to this call because Ramdas gives this disclaimer. He says it's a little absurd to be talking about heart trips because it's something that one feels or experiences. It's not something that we can necessarily conceptualize. And so we have all of these lectures. We're going to be talking tonight. But there's also this part of how we nourish that space through um, mantras, through practices, through just being together in love. And so tonight we will talk about it. It will be in our heads a little bit, but we'll also have some practices and we get to be in this thing called community. 
So to jump into community, if you haven't already, I see lots of you are saying hi in the chat, um, but go ahead, go ahead and say hi in the chat. And if there is um, something sweet from your day, something that like brought that little bit of heart opening, uh, put a word or two in. I would say like my cat snuggles, right? You can just put a couple of things and we can read that dance. Nice. We've got uh, sun's hugs, planting flowers, chirping birds. We've got someone coming from Puerto Rico, mockingbirds singing. Nice. Oh, you're coming in so fast. Soft bed, playing in the garden. Collaboration. Yeah. Bears on the front porch. Love it. Coyotes. All sorts of good things. Rose quartz. Yeah, it's these small moments, right? These small moments that can really open our heart. So keep those coming. It's just nice to read them. It's I can just feel the body soften as those come through. Um, and also know that as we go throughout the evening, uh, you can ask your questions through that chat. Uh, Gina and JR are on the back end. They're amazing humans and they're here with us tonight and they'll be sending me questions so I can ask Ramdev and Raghu as we go through our evening together. So the logistics are we'll be spending about 75 minutes together. The first half, we'll have a panel discussion and then we'll go into a short practice. Then we'll open it up for Q&A. Um, because of how many people are here, you'll just type your questions in and I'll um, ask them. We'll try to get to as many as we can. At the, I'll give you some more information about the course. And then if we have time, we'll see, we'll might do another short practice. Um, but you're not here to hear me. You're here to hear Raghu and uh, Ramdev. So let, if you don't know them, let me just take a few moments. Um, you, if you, Raghu, you probably have heard from like 200 episodes of Ramdas is here now podcast. Uh, he spent about 18 months in India with Neem Baba and Ramdas and has been involved with music and transfer, more transformational media, easy for me to say, um, since the early 70s. He was a uh, program director at a radio station in Montreal. And then he collaborated with Ramdas for the Love, Serve, Remember box set. And then in 1990, he launched Triloka Records, which is home to folks like Krishnadas and Jai Uttal, who, by the way, will be part of our course. Um, and now he lives in Ojai, and he's the executive director of Love, Serve, Remember Foundation. He co-founded the Be Here Now Network. He has this amazing podcast called Mind Rolling, uh, and he produced a movie called Becoming Nobody and all sorts of other things. Um, Ramdev is also known as Dale Borglum. Um, he is a co-author with Ramdas on The Journey of Awakening, a meditator's guidebook. He also founded and directed the Hanuman Foundation Dying Center in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which was the first residential facility in the U.S. to support conscious dying. Um, he's been the executive director of the Living Dying Project in Santa Fe and since 1986, also in the San Francisco Bay Area. And he's also an amazing human and meditation teacher and has been teaching since 1974. So really glad to have you here. I'm the Director of Education and Community for Love, Serve, Remember Foundation. Um, and I get to host the Ramdas Here and Now podcast these days. I'm also an inner spiritual minister and many other things. So with that, um, let's jump in. Sound good? Sounds good. Awesome. All right. So let's start with the obvious question. What is heartfulness? Okay. I'm going to go way back to when 
we started talking about doing this course <laughs> and the word heartfulness came up. Oh, wait, before I get into this, just a call out to, to the uh, person who John Coltrane made their day today. Okay, I just happened to see that because that made my day because it made me think of him and he was a upa guru, they call it mm. in India. Mm. Uh, so thank you for reminding me. So uh, when Jackie and I started talking about heartfulness, it, uh, it just brought to mind Ramdas because it brought to mind my first kind of real experience with that being such a reality that I had not experienced before, you know, and this I'm in my early 20s. And as you heard in my little bio, I was a program director of a big rock and roll station in Montreal. And uh, that's how I met Ramdas. So the day they asked me to promote his talk at McGill University in Montreal, which is like the Harvard of Canada, uh, and I, I didn't know who he was. And when they told me Richard Alpert, Tim Leary, of course, I was all in at that point. And then they sent over a tape that he had done. And, of course, like many of us who have, when you first heard Ramdas or read, you were struck in a way, potentially you hadn't been struck quite that way before. And that was a reality for me. But um, I said, look, I need to see this person. So <clears throat> they set, set me up to meet him and I went over, and he opened the door. There was nobody else in the place he was staying at. And it was a real uh, be here now moment. Of course, be here now wasn't even, it was being put together at that time, but nobody had heard that term. And time stopped for a moment because he stopped. He was not being in the persona of Ramdas or Richard Alpert, it was whatever I needed in that moment, it was there to be of service. He was. And uh, the, the, that all-encompassing attention and generosity to give that attention, and many, many people, you know, uncountable how many people encounter have encountered Ramdas over the years, of course, his last 15 years or so in Maui, he became that thing that he was pointing to, but all through he was able to just drop, at times, drop his identity. And you were the receiver of this really wonderful, warm, loving, generous generosity. And that happened to me in, in that moment, and I just started to, th to think about it. And um, it's, it's really exemplified. So just getting at the core of what heartfulness really is. Uh, at one point, I was with Ramdas uh, the year he died. I was staying there for a couple of months. It's about six months before he left. And I just said to him, you know, Maharaji Neem Karoli Baba told you, do not talk about me in the West. Why did you do that? You can't, I mean, I, I, there was a way in which I was jiving him a little bit, but in another way, I wanted to hear what he had to say. 
And he said, I could not, not share this precious jewel that I had found. And it was like an impulse for him. And he very much lived that impulse most of the time uh, in, in an extraordinary way. The empathy, the compassion that he could um, display uh, was profound, again, especially at the end of his life. He was extraordinary. And so it just, you know, all of the things that you think about in terms of what is heartfulness, it's, you know, compassionate, caring, loving kindness, non-judgmental view, perspective, um, giving full attention. In that moment when I first met him, he gave complete attention. Uh, Simone Weil, the, the writer, says the, the most generous thing that you can do for another person is pay attention, listen. And uh, so these qualities uh, were very much in, in evidence. And so when, Jackie, you said, yeah, heartfulness, I went, really? What's heartfulness? And then, you know, as I went through thinking about all of the components of heartfulness, you know, I thought of these qualities and, and yes, how important are they today mm. for us, really? Um, mm. It's like His Holiness the Dalai Lama, my only religion is kindness, you know. Mm. These are the, this, is, this perspective really, um, and it can be cultivated. It's not just something you just, whoop, I'm going to be heartful today. And, um, and you know, Ramdev uh, will talk some about the kind of practices one can do. I mean, we don't want to have ill will. We don't want to have a, a resentment, anger, sep feeling like separate and isolated. And um, there is a path for sure to cultivate the ways in which we can build that heartful presence. Yeah, absolutely. Ramdev, do you want to jump in and share some as well? About I would love to. I would love yeah. to. Great. And when, when Raghu was talking, I was thinking about this quote from Mayor Baba where he says, Love is contagious. Those mm -hmm. who haven't got it catch it from those who do. Mm -hmm. And Richard Alpert definitely caught love from Maharaji, yeah. right? That that mm -hmm. Ramdas would say very clearly that it wasn't him that was doing that. It was Maharaji flowing through him. And Maharaji would say, "It's not me. It's God," mm -hmm. right? So that when we're talking about heartfulness, there's all these heart qualities of devotion, compassion, forgiveness, gratitude. To me, the place to start is devotion, because devotion is loving the lovable. Devotion is loving that which is love. Loving God, loving the guru. Loving the guru, loving God is much easier to love than your neighbor or that guy looking back at you in the mirror or Donald Trump or whatever it is. So that we can start with devotion. And even if you're not a theistic person, some uh, Buddhists say devotion to awareness is the secret sauce, that even just opening your heart to being fully alive, dying into this moment. Let me read this one poem that showed up in my email just yesterday. And it's Rumi. And he says, if I have made any mistakes in this life, 
if all I have made is all these mistakes and you, God, are my only right, that that is enough for me. You are the only meaning of my ruined, wrecked life. At the time of my leaving this world, if they ask me, what did you do? I will answer you, and that is enough for me. So for me, the place to start is loving God, loving awareness, loving what doesn't change. And then we can start building on that. We can start developing compassion for difficult people. We can love the earth. We can love all beings. And particularly, we can love ourselves. But uh, whether you love Maharaji or whether you love Jesus or you love the mother or you love pure awareness, that to me, that's the place to start. That's where heartfeltness is born. Uh, for me, meeting Maharaji, of course, changed my life. But ever since then, it's been a journey of integrating that one moment of seeing the complete possibility and bringing it into a busy life and a job and relationships and parenting and all the, all the other things. So... Suzuki Roshi said, the most important thing is finding the most important thing. And the more I think about that, the most important thing is letting your heart break open. Mm. How willing are you to be destroyed by surrendering, radically surrendering into the heart, becoming nobody? The famous movie produced by Raghu. We become nobody by going there through our heart. Right. And in the beginning, there's I'm loving you. But when we go into love enough, there's no I and there's no you. There's just love. Hmm. Yeah. So I love this. And I love how you were saying about um, loving God, whatever word anyone wants to use, whatever concept everyone wants to use around, like, how do we nourish the heart as we, we practice loving the thing we love, um, whether that's God or whatever. And um, one of the things that comes to mind when you say that is, how hard and dry sometimes are and like tight our hearts can feel. And so even that practice can feel a little like speaking Greek. Like, what do you mean love God or love the mother? Um, and I'm, there's this like idea of the little things, like really paying attention to the little things of like what we did in the beginning of the sweet moments of your day. And how just that little piece can like open the heart a little bit. And I'm curious if you want to speak into like the, the sort of tight hearts we walk around with quite often. Well, uh, Thomas Merton said, love and prayer are learned in the hour. Yeah. When prayer becomes impossible and the heart turns to stone. So those little moments to, to see the coyotes, to see the flowers, to hear the birds... Uh, is heart opening to be around a child. But really when we're suffering, when somebody you know just finds out they have cancer or your, your kid is having a hard time or you look at what's happening to the planet, uh, can you remember that Maharaji said, I'm always in communion with you? Mm. I mean, what would it be like if we believed that? <laughs> what would it be like if in this moment where we're sitting here, we're talking, people spread all over the planet having this conversation, that uh, we're kind of making love with God in this moment. Uh, God talking to God. And it seems like I'm over here and you're over there and I'm a man and you're this person and you're that person. But there is this surrender. And for me, this surrender into love is a process. So just imagine, for instance, that you're saying a mantra. 
in the beginning of practice, you're often saying it from the standpoint of God, please show up. I'm not feeling it. It's just like Jackie was describing it. You wake up today. I had a, I didn't sleep well last night. My heart is kind of closed. So you're saying your mantra. Suppose it's Ram, Ram, Ram. You're saying Ram, Ram. Please, Ram, show up. You showed up before. Or Ramdas said it showed up for him. Or it talks about it in the book. Please show up. And when you do that with enough passion, with enough courage, then a relationship begins to form. And the mantra then is a love affair between you and Ram or you and the mother or whoever it is, that there's this juicy thing going on. And the heart then begins to reveal how spacious it is, how connected it is. It's vast as the sky. It's boundless. And in that boundlessness, then the, the tantric possibility that it's all the mantra, that Ram isn't out there, that in in India, they say that the person who's saying the mantra and the sound of the mantra and Ram itself are the same thing. So that imagine when you're saying Ram, you're not pointing to Ram. You're not asking Ram to show up. You're not in a relationship with Ram. But Ram is being created, fully manifest each time you say the word. It's a very different relationship with love, with with God than in the beginning where you're saying, please show up. So that right now, Ram, and that's, that's it. I mean, that's complete. <clears throat> you know, I was, uh, did a, we did a satsang here yesterday and we were, it, I was just recalling because we were doing Ram mantras, uh, how Neem Karoli Baba Maharaji, he used to do Ra, on his digits, Ram, Ram. It was constantly going on. Just Ram, Ram, Ram. It's not like he didn't need to do anything. There just wasn't anything else to do. What else is there to do Having except having that go on? And by the way, I just want to also uh, speak to Neem Karoli Baba. And uh, we obviously have, many of us have a relationship directly with him. And that relationship is not with the man in the blanket. It's what uh, our good friend Lama Suryadas would call the big Maharaji. And I, I personally experienced this a long, long time ago when I was fortunate enough, I tell this story, uh, to meet the 16th Karmapa in Los Angeles in the early 80s. And as I got, and it was called the black hat ceremony, and he he would, you know, there was a silk scarf he would put on you. It was a ceremonial thing. And I got about 10 feet away in a line as people were approaching him. And when I got, like I say, about 10 feet away, I got this wave of, and I cannot describe, but it was, to me, I understood it to be no different than sitting with Maharaji, Neem Karoli Baba. And I fully got in that moment how this was nothing to do with the body. And, of course, Maharaji himself said uh, the, the guru is not external. So anyhow, when we speak to it, as Ramdev Ram was doing a little earlier, it, it's not something that people need to think I need to have this particular being as my uh, focus in terms of a, a 
a guru. It's beyond that. All of them are, and as Maharaji said to us, as soon as we got to, uh, to him in India, there's only one. There is only, sub-ek is the Hindi word for it. Ram and uh, Hanuman, Christ, Buddha, Krishna, Muhammad, all one. So, yeah, we sh- we, uh, I just want to be clear when we are speaking to that, and, and as Ramana Maharshi said, God, Guru, and self are one. Mm-hmm. It's from that place of surrender into, not from a place of, oh, that picture of the man in the blanket. One day, we were, with Maharaj, one day we were with Maharaji and somebody had a, their journal there and Maharaji saw the journal and there was a picture of him in the journal. And he said, Who's that picture? And the person said, oh, that's you, Maharaj. He says, nay, that's Buddha. That was right. me and Krishna Das. Okay, See, well. You just, you just, you I, just stole that story. You can have it back whenever you want. Um, I just want to take a brief moment. Um, if people, I want to make sure, like, there might be a lot of new people here. Um, uh-huh. And so that's I'm just curious. That's why I was mentioning that. Yeah. yeah, I'm just curious. Like, I don't know if you can raise your virtual hand. Like, who's, this is like brand new to you. Um, this talk of like Maharaji and Neem Curly Baba. <laughs> no? Okay. Oh, we got a couple. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. This is helpful. We're not trying to sell gurus here. <laughs> no. So, you know, there's so much to say. You all said it very well. Um, and, I, you know, I spent about a month digging into the content of this course that we we're just about to launch. And um, there's a big chunk of it on this idea of like being sh- this f- essence, like this essence of being showered by love, and how that idea of we catch love from others, and when you meet these pure beings, how they can wake that up in ourselves, um, and how that was Ramdas's main practice was this idea of like being connected to this this pure being, um, but that how we can connect to that same essence of and feel that our hearts wake up even without that same experience. And so there's lots and lots of information about that, which is a really interesting concept in the West that I think we get really confused with, with the word guru. Um, But just that idea of our hearts waking up. Um, I'm not going to say any more because hopefully you'll take the course and you'll learn a lot more that way. But I just did want to get a a sense from folks of where you're coming from. Yeah. And and it's, it, it comes in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, it comes through a, a being and uh, who a being like Maharaji, a teacher that just points the way, hearing Krishna sings and Jaya Utah singing Kirtan, uh, a book. Um, for me, my first thing was John Coltrane, which is why I loved when somebody said, yeah, that was my great experience today, <laughs> was John Coltrane. Yeah. Um, it comes in so many ways. And once you have that, shall we call it ineffable kind of experience, then you, you, you're trusting uh, the intuition of that moment of understanding that. And you have had darshan. You've been in the presence of the divine. Yeah. And from there, that's a focal point. That's what Ram, das, uh, Ram Dev was talking about a little earlier yeah. in terms of surrendering into you. You can be Ram Dass. No, I can't. <laughs> and I, we need these touch, touch points, right? Like whether it's singing Kirtan or listening to, to Ram Dass's, 
you know, podcasts it's, and that being touched by something and like this idea that we um, come from these deficiency models, right? So many of us for, forgotten, we were never told, we were never reflected that we were, we are love itself, that we are children of God, however you want to say that. And so it's like, we, we get so caught in that, the, the layers that were put on top of us that we learn that we forget. And it's, we need these like touch points, satsang, you know, can help us remember, but especially these, these practices too can help us remember. So I'm curious if you want to talk a little bit about the practices that can help like nourish that sense of um, heart. So in the beginning there, Jackie, you were saying, uh, what do we do when the heart's a little closed? And I was saying that devotion is a great place to start, but then it almost immediately leads to compassion. Mm. Compassion is the open heart meeting suffering. Compassion is not an emotion. Compassion is a state of being. It's not one directional toward one person. It's toward all beings, including yourself. And what blocks compassion, what makes compassion difficult, what makes opening the heart difficult is grief. Mm -hmm. Everybody in this room is grieving. Maybe nobody close to you has died lately, but we've all lost a lot during the course of a lifetime. Rumi has this marvelous, marvelous quote where he says, grief is the garden of compassion. And until we can begin to love, have compassion for our own woundedness, then the woundedness of other people is going to be unbearable. And to begin to open our hearts to the place where we feel angry, where we feel inadequate, where we get caught in our emotions, uh, getting to that tantric stage where we're we're practicing from a a place of abundance rather than a place of lack and poverty is going to be extremely difficult. So that a lot of the work of spiritual practice, this, uh, the, the transformational stage is really being able to have an open-hearted compassion for the parts in you and me and everybody that we see as not perfect. And that we're all these twofold beings that on one hand, the place that Maharaji saw in me, that he kept seeing me as whole. I remember one day we were with Maharaji and Ramdas was having a really hard day and he came to Maharaji and said, I'm, I'm so impure. And Maharaji looked up his sleeve and he said, I don't see any impurity. And Maharaji kept seeing me as, as, as whole and pure and I started believing it. Although it was harder to believe that he was seeing it in the guy next to me because he was such a jerk, but I won't say who that was. Okay, <laughs> but, the, but the point is that we're not only that perfection, but we're also these personalities. We've had woundedness in our early childhood. We've had, we have grief. And to work with both of these at the same time, to hold our humanity in the context of our divinity. Yeah. That's the work. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. I mean, even when we're talking about Ramdas, in the beginning, he was really connecting to Maharaji as the guy in the blanket. And toward the end of his life, he was becoming nobody, being just loving awareness. Mm. And Maharaji was that whole spectrum from the guy in the blanket to uh, just pure consciousness, pure love, pure loving awareness. Yeah. I... I just want to mention, Jackie, one thing. Um, when we talk about uh, as Ramdas, uh, Ram, I keep calling you Ramdas. <laughs> there must be something to that. 
as Ramdev just said uh, and talked about compassion as being uh, the cultivation of it is a doorway, really. Um, and I, ha- I would have to add to that is uh, generosity, actually, mm-hmm. because the movements that we make to uh, naturally want to help another person as soon as we make that movement, we are no longer thinking of ourselves, which mm-hmm. we do 24-7. Mm-hmm. And in that action, uh, there is uh, uh, what His Holiness ca- calls it wise selfishness. Did you hear him do that, Ramdev? Mm-hmm. Have you heard him and say that? I, I never heard that term. You're talking about the Dalai Lama, right? Not yeah, everybody yeah. knows that's who His Holiness is. Oh, well, there's only one His Holiness. Uh, no, not true. Um, <laughs> That's not true, but anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, why selfishness? Meaning the altruistic act that you do, you are benefiting from as well as the person to which you are helping. And uh, I love that term. Yeah. But so as I do, a, yeah. So as and, the director of the Living Dying Project, I teach conscious caregiving, like, caregiving for people who are dying, caregivers, people who are grieving. And my understanding as that has evolved is that caregiving is a spiritual practice. It's work on yourself. It's not helping another person. It's you awakening. And the more you're doing the caregiving as your practice for you to awaken, the better caregiver you're going to be. But the more you're lost in I'm a caregiver and you need care, you're going to be missing the signals in you, the heart signals, the subtle signals, so that we have this training program where learning to meditate, essentially, at the bedside of somebody who's dying, learning to be in your heart when somebody you love is suffering, is is, uh, a challenging practice, but it's a very rich practice. Yeah, and to me, all of this, like being able to cultivate compassion for ourselves and others, being able to tap into the generous generosity that is inherent in us, um, being able to work on ourselves. It requires this piece that I think our culture often runs away from, which is the ability to sit with suffering. I mean, that's what compassion means, the ability to sit with suffering and to sit with our own and others, right? This like, I'm going to just be in the pain um, because that's where the compassion comes from. I think of like the dark night of the soul um, of how, that ability to to go through the darkness really opens us up to be able to sit with others. Um, And, you know, you talked about grief earlier and this idea of um, we all grieve something. And I I was talking with a client the other day who's talking about eco grief, just the state of the world and how every day her heart breaks. And so would you all speak into this idea of um, the wonderful Ram Das quote of, um, how do we keep our heart open in hell? I believe that's actually Stephen Levine quote. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> I heard Ram Dass say it. He, so. stole, it from, <laughs> he know, stole it from Stephen. Good to know. Stephen, it's just, that's what's happening. <laughs> just exchanging ideas. I love it. <laughs> um, you know, one thing though, in, in terms of this, the ability to, and you mentioned it already, Ram Dev, the ability to be able to inhabit more than one plane of consciousness at the same time is key absolutely we can we can grieve and know that at the just talking about obviously the most simple example of somebody close to us dying 
and we have grief. And at the same time, we also know that the love that we shared with that person, it doesn't end. It is beyond grief. And I know you should speak to this because you do this work every day. Uh, but is that not true? Yeah, so this holding two levels at the same time. In Tibetan Buddhism, they say that compassion is a mixture of sadness and joy. There's a sadness that there is suffering, and there's a joy that transcends happiness and sadness that is the quality of the open heart. So there's the human being who's feeling sad because you or somebody or the earth is suffering, and there's joy because you're resting in the spacious heart. And I think it's really important to, even though we were saying in the beginning that uh, you can't talk about the open heart, I like to try to talk about the open heart, okay? Mm -hmm. And theoretically in Buddhism, there are three qualities to the open heart. And one of them is a spacious heart. Spacious meaning empty of concepts. Meister Eckhart says, when my heart is full of things, it is empty of God. When it is empty of things, it is full of God. So that a spacious heart can be a practice, a moment-to-moment -moment right now practice. Is your heart spacious or is it collecting? Is it evaluating? Is it trying to figure things out? Or can you trust this surrender beyond egoic figuring it out? Maharaji said, it's much better to trust in God than to try to figure things out, right? And, but it takes a great deal of courage to not try to figure out life, to not have a fixed point of reference from which to move into life, to be groundless, if you will. Another quality of the open heart is a connected heart. Are you connected to yourself? Uh, Richard Rohr says, Father Richard Rohr says, God comes to us disguised as ourselves. <laughs> this is mm -hmm. such a great quote. Mm -hmm. Can you be connected to yourself? Can you be connected to the people around you? Can you be connected to God? Can you be connected to the earth? Those seem to be the four things you could be connected to. Other sentient beings, yourself, God, the earth. Uh, are you connected? Are you spacious? And the third thing is a warm heart. That's To me, that's so obvious. I don't even play with that too much, but working with a spacious heart and or a connected heart is a practice. And what is your priority? What is the most important thing? If you really want to be awake, then uh, like do, do an experiment. Can you not act if your heart isn't open for part of a day? You say, I'm not going to do something. I'm not going to talk to somebody until I can feel my heart. I'm not going to do something till I can feel my heart. Maybe you won't do too much talking and moving, but you'll see the places where there's grasping, where there's this sense of inadequacy. And almost all this grief, almost all of this, this place where our heart isn't open is coming from a feeling of uh, inadequacy, of guilt, of shame, of fear. In my counseling practice, almost everybody they say they want to come and learn about spiritual practice, but they start talking about fear, guilt, and shame, right? And to get to the heart qualities, to get to the tantra qualities, to get to non-duality, we need this stable foundation of being able to have 
uh, a grounded, embodied mindfulness in relationship to the difficult emotions that are rising moment to moment. So that it's great to talk about heartfulness, but there is for many people the stage before that, right? Which is, can I be mindful of what a jerk I'm being sometimes, right? Can I be mindful of what it feels like to be in my body when I'm uptight? Can I, and a lot of these Eastern practices were developed by and for Asian people a long time ago who were grounded and centered, who walked around barefoot, who didn't have an iPhone or a, a car. And it's just assumed you're in your body, you're grounded, you're centered. Now let's get busy <laughs> opening our heart and becoming nobody, right? And it's not so easy when you think you're somebody. Yeah. And I, well, I, go ahead, Jay. Well, I was just going to say, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think there's this subtle thing that comes through when we talk about spiritual practices sometimes where even that can be used as like, hey, look at I'm not doing this right. Hey, look at I got to do this more perfectly. Look at how I'm failing. And so that like first step of like, oh yeah, like having that inner compassion for all the ways we've inherited and learned these different ways of being um, to really have that be, you know, the, the practice is steeped in that. I was just going to say within this concept of heartfulness, and within what we put together in this course with Jackie, uh, is a definitively mindfulness practice. Without that, it's very difficult to address the kinds of things that we, as Ram, Ram Dev, you just enumerated. <laughs> I got it. You got my name uh, right. Great. Yes, yes. <laughs> We've only known each other for 70,000 years. Um, but uh, with you know the isolation, the fear, the self hatred, all of it, absolutely is uh, what we work towards is developing heart mind, mm -hmm. and uh, I think that that's uh, well enumerated in in this course. But the other thing you talk about how all these practices were, um, you know, are from long ago times for Asian people, as you said. Uh, but we are fortunate that we have had people uh, who have translated uh, this into a, a, a vocabulary that really attends to us Westerners in these days. That's another reason why, like in this course, well, you yourself, uh, Ramdev, uh, do this wonderful tongue. It's called the Tonglen Practice. And uh, I think it's a, a really important um, core teaching for us to enable heartfulness. And uh, Sharon Salzberg in, in the course does this wonderful, I mean, she's known for metta, loving kindness practice. And that's another way for us to open to heartfulness. So, yeah, I'm just reminded, I, th I think we have some, you know, really good uh, ways in which we can cultivate heartfulness. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we said we were going to talk about, and I'm not, we have around the bush, but I want to just bring it up directly, is uh, this idea of addressing ice, the sense of isolation. Yeah, you know, a lot of people approached me right at the beginning of the pandemic when everybody was like, scared out of their minds and staying home and going to the grocery store was like military expedition. Mm -hmm. And they said, what can I do? There's so many people suffering. There's these images on TV of the 
refrigerated trucks outside of uh, Manhattan hospitals. Mm. And what I found was that doing compassion practice, not for myself, but for all beings or for all beings that had COVID or all beings affected by COVID, like stepping out of yourself and doing a more global practice, that realizing that we're we're not just connected, we're one huge being in, in a certain way, that your suffering is my suffering, my joy is your joy. And to uh, Raghu was just talking about generosity, and it, there can be generosity of heart, where instead of I'm, I'm going to get more mindful so I can be happier and I can suffer less, which is a great thing to do, to balance that at times also with I'm going to take in the suffering. I'm going to be with the suffering of everybody right now who is scared out of their minds in the Ukraine or all the babies who are hungry right now in the world or whatever. There's always plenty of groups of people that are suffering unimaginable horrors. And it doesn't even have to be something horrific. It can be your neighbor's having a hard time or your your child is having a bad day or something like that. But getting out of practicing for yourself all the time, but particularly this more global practice. Uh, to me, at the beginning of the pandemic then, I started feeling connected. And even though I was at home and the, that the door was shut, I felt connected with the world more than I had before the pandemic in a certain way, because I was busy running around and doing this and doing that. And now I was there just opening my heart in a way that I had the space to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's people raising their hands and stuff. Right, right. I also wanted to um, just add to that, this idea of, I mean, in almost all traditions, Maharaji said it all the time. You see it in, um, mystical traditions, you see it in 12 step of this idea of, uh, when you're really stuck in isolation and separateness, go serve others, mm. which is what you're talking about, whether yeah. it's hospice or the soup kitchen, um, or anything like that. So I, we do have about a mm, half an hour less left. We weren't going to spend the, we're, we're mixing it up. We're two, we got two into our discussion. So we're going to do a meditation at the end, but I do want to make sure that you, um, we're not going to be unmuting people but if you have a question want to put it in the chat um we can ask it for you if that feels comfortable um and this one is coming from uh tim hawk it's oops <laughs> where to go um question for those who met maharaji what was it like being around him do you still feel that connection after leaving he left his physical body what is it that makes you still feel the validity and reality of this connection <laughs> yes we'll, we'll, we'll both respond and see what comes yeah. go ahead you go first okay well like i was saying before there's these levels of saying a mantra of need and relationship and tantric it's all god and then it's non-duality and i feel like i've been going through a developmental love affair with Maharaji. Whereas in the beginning, I'd be sitting with him and I'd uh, we had what we called uh, the grace race, that I wanted a name, Krishna got a name before me or I got a mantra before he did or something like that. Who could, who could get the most juice or something? And that was coming out of a sense of inadequacy. Maharaji was the perfect 
spiritual parent, the, the perfect uh, grandfather, if you will. And as time went on, it became more of a love affair. I would feel him all the time, and it was great. And then I really began to get that he wasn't outside of me, that it wasn't only... There was a period of time, uh, maybe 10 years, I don't know, 20 years ago, where he disappeared. He didn't come in my dreams. I didn't feel him. And I felt I've been a bad devotee. I haven't been meditating enough. I've been doing this or that too much. I was a bit of bad devotee or something. And I got a message from him saying, no, no, I pushed you out of the nest. It's time for you to be who you are. I don't have to hold your hand, right? It's like, you can let go of thinking of me as the guy in the picture. I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm in you. I'm here. But it's not that same kind of thing that was going on right in the beginning. And now it's more like I try to see Maharaji in everybody. It's like, Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. But when, when we were in India, there was a war going on between India and Pakistan. And thousands of people were dying. There were planes flying overhead. We didn't know if they were going to bomb us. They were from Pakistan or they were from India. And it just seemed like even then that Maharaj was saying, even this is God. I could. You had the sense that he could have stopped the war. But he didn't, that, that that needed to happen, that there was a sense of perfection and wholeness about what was going on. And I try to remember that, that the war in the Ukraine and the pandemic and the, all these things, you don't know that it's not exactly what's supposed to be happening, that it's all, it's all Maharaji's grace. Uh, here's another quick poem, St. John of the Cross. What is grace, I ask God, and he, she said, all that happens. Then he, she added, when I looked perplexed, could not lovers say that every moment in their beloved's arms was grace. Existence is my arms. Though I well understand how one can turn away from me until the heart has wisdom. Existence is my arms, says God. That all of this, all of this is Maharaji. It's Maharaji's big form, as you were talking about. Mm. Yeah. I think many of us uh, say one word that is across the board what it was like when we first, when we first, especially when we first met Neem Karoli Baba, and that's home. There was a complete sense of ease, of okay, I'm okay, you know, of letting the breath out of all of this angst and stuff that we had been living with. For, well, for us, it was the first 20-odd years or so of our lives. And then, uh, actually, I, as soon as I met him in the first moment, one of my first thoughts was, oh, shit, that's what Ramdas was all about. I, it took till that moment to get that. And uh, again, you know, I just appreciated going back to generosity, Ramdas's generosity in that moment. Uh, and and we could talk about the, you know, you absolutely knew that there, suddenly you were dealing with a being that wasn't dealing in polarity. There was no us and them. You understood that, and it was a very, very uh, extraordinary experience. And then the other thing I would say uh, that uh, saved most of us is we had our minds cracked over that time. 
I mean, you could no longer believe in the same BS of me, me land that we believe on a day to day. But at least we had a rudder from that day going forward through the rest of our lives. Mm. Thank you. Um, you know, there's, uh, I think there's something on the chat because a lot of people were not going to have that, that experience of meeting Maharaji in person. And there's often like this sense of like, Oh, I need Mm -hmm. that. Um, in order to have this experience to have my heart be opened to just be met with such unconditionality of love. Um, and there's this lovely book called whisper in the heart where, um, Parvati Marcus collected stories of people who had that experience after he left his body. And again, as we mentioned earlier, it can happen in so many different ways as well. Um, but just want people to know about that, that, that book. Uh, one of the well, questions. Wait, before you go on, I just yeah. got to say, um, there is one person, one of our participants, Ellie, who has a wonderful dog who is completely <laughs> loving her uh-huh. in this moment, as you, some of you may be able to see. That is, you know, dog, God. It, it, it comes in so many different ways. Uh, I mean, it's extraordinary. It's just a matter of opening up to the moment, as Ramdas would say. Yeah. So and really, at, the same, at the same time, if you're feeling that lack, hmm. then go into that lack and pray from that lack. I got a lot of quotes today. Here's another one from Rumi. The longing you express is the return message. Yeah, I love that one. Such a good the grief one. you a, cry I out from. I, want to, I have a poem I want to share at the end too. Um, okay, but but the longing you express is the is the return message. Your your yeah. pure sadness, the one's help, is the secret cup. So wanting Maharaji is Maharaji, right? Yeah. Wanting a guru, wanting love is love. Yeah. Uh, I work with people who are dying and a couple, sometimes people say, I've been meditating all my life and now I'm dying and I'm not dying well. You know, I'm supposed to feel something special. And we have these conversations about what it is is perfect. It's not supposed to be special. It's supposed to be what it is. You, This is the form God is taking in your life right now. Yeah. There's a, I don't remember who it's by, but it's a similar quote. It's uh don't surrender your loneliness too quickly. Let it uh, deepen you like few divine and worldly ingredients can. Um, and that idea of um, it is when we're so distracted by all the playthings, we don't often go to God. And when we're in those darker spaces is when it's finally we open to be like, okay, what's there? Mm-hmm. Um, someone asked in the questions about it sort of brings up a bigger question of, you know, everybody else is caught in separateness. It's really hard to like not get caught in what I'm going to say, the collective consciousness. Um, what do you, what do you say to that? That's what satsang is all about. <laughs> and uh, it is hard. We're, what we're talking about today is going against the flow of the cultural current. There's no doubt about it. And every time you participate in popular media, or at least almost every time, you're dealing with people who are professionally trained to seduce you into separateness, to feel horrified or horny or romantic or whatever kind of movie it is, right? And uh, the, the Buddha's nephew, Ananda, or his cousin, whatever it was, his like straight man said, oh, Buddha, I've heard that 
sangha, which is the mm. Pali term for satsang, is half of the spiritual path. And the Buddha said, oh, no, Ananda, it is all of the path. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is the core of the panacea for isolation and separateness. Absolutely. And uh, we had a, when Neem Karoli Baba left, we were fortunate uh, because he had uh, a woman saint named Sidima who had been with him very closely for decades. And she suddenly became, uh, we knew she was around, but we didn't, uh, we didn't see much of her while Maharaji was uh, alive. And then she came and she uh, was with us for all the way till about five years ago she left. And we were very fortunate to get an Indian uh, mother. She was like our mother, and even though she was a, a really uh, incredible saint. And somebody asked her this very question, about separation, feeling separate, feeling separate from the guru, feeling separate from people that she encountered on a day-to-day basis. She said, Ma, what can I do? And Siddhi Ma said, it's all about satsang. It's Mm -hmm. about feeding each other. It's about chanting together. It's about telling your story and listening she didn't say it in exactly those words, but pretty much. And uh, yeah, I, uh, we can't stress anymore. It's it's a it's a very very prominent um, part of the mission that Ramdas uh, left us with, uh, and it has been the mission while he was alive. We've done retreats and so on, and lots of online things. And Jackie represents uh, all the fellowships that we do. Yeah. Uh, at Love Serve Remember, but it is core to being able to transform this sense of isolation. Yeah. Please join the course because there's going to be a community aspect of that. And then also go to ramdas.org slash fellowship because you can sign up for our virtual um, gatherings as well as our affinity groups. And you can also find if there's a local gathering in your area, but satsang is, is really key. Um, I jump in for a quick second and also at the Living Dying Project, every other Saturday, I have a free spiritual support group that started right at the beginning of the pandemic with about eight people. Now there's 408 people in it. So it's a a free group. Just go to the Living Dying Project and say there's a email address. Send us an email. I'll put you on the roster. Awesome. Um, I'm going to read this poem because we're going to end out of time. And I love this poem and it kind of speaks to this as well. And it's a Hafiz poem. It's called What uh, With That Moon Language. And he goes, admit something. Everyone you see, you say to them, love me. Of course, you do not say this aloud. Otherwise, someone would call the cops. Still, though, think about this. The great pull in us to connect. Why not become the one who lives with a full moon in each eye that is always saying, with that sweet moon language, what every other eye in this world is dying to hear. It's like love, right? That's what we're talking about tonight. Um, there's one more question that I want to get to and before we go into practice. And I know there's many more questions, but we're probably not going to be able to get to all of them. And this is me sort of taking several questions and putting them together, which is, 
you talked about the spaciousness in the heart and there's some questions about like, how do you do, how do you do that in the face of betrayal and anger? How do you do that uh, in the face of um, like being, having, like, it's hard to stay present um, because it hurts so much. Um, yeah. Can I answer that? Please. So I put together a healing practice that I call the tantric three-step as opposed to the country two-step dance. <laughs> nice. I love it. Okay. And the first step, whoops. The first step is, can you feel what's going on and let go of the narrative? What does it feel like to be betrayed? What does it feel like to be feeling what's going on with you right now? In English, for instance, we say, I am afraid in Spanish, we say, yo tengo miedo, I have fear. In Tibetan, fear is here. Mm. So just even being somebody who thinks and speaks in English, it's harder not to identify with the passing mind-body state. You're not the fear. Fear is just a cloud in the vast sky of the heart-mind, right? So the first step, and it's not something you can do all the time, but can you let go of the trigger the person who betrayed you, the story, I'm right, they're wrong. Oh, why did this happen? Woe is me. What does it feel like to be having these emotions? What does it feel like in your belly? What does it feel like in your heart? Can I be with these sensations? And then the second step, after you feel this, can I open my heart to what this feels like? It's not just being here now. It's being here now with an open heart. That's, that's the second step. Can I have compassion for the place where I'm suffering because somebody betrayed me as the example we're talking about. Can I open my heart? Can I feel spacious? Can I feel connected? Can I really feel mercy toward the part of myself that's having such a hard time? And the heart, as I said before, is boundless, is spacious. And when the heart is perceived as boundless enough, the I thought it still remains. But instead of being right in your face, it's just one little point. It's just the ego is just one little thing. It's not who you are. And because of that empowerment, that the tantric step of you are the deity, that, that even this emotion is a manifestation of the guru, of the divine, of the mother. Like basically in Hindu tantra, it's all the mother. Feeling betrayed is the mother, right? The mother isn't only this nice sweet mother, it's also Kali and Durga who devours. So that we're learning to be with all the aspects of the mother. We're loving all the aspects of the mother. We're having this complete passionate love affair with all the aspects of the mother. And the only way to do that is to be with every emotion, every thought, everything that's going on. I would want to add uh, in terms of developing spaciousness of the heart, <coughs> I would—I uh, know this is something that I personally deal with. That when I am wronged in any way, uh, I know that one of the first major thing that comes up is righteousness. We are all—I'm right, they're wrong. We are back to that polarity, which is. Uh, you know, a lot of what we're talking about with heartfulness, the development of heartfulness will help, we expect, to transform the kind of polarity that we're living in within ourselves and in our society and our culture these days. 
and most especially. But righteousness is, uh, uh, what do they call it, the golden chain. It's, the, it's one of the last things to go mm -hmm. that we are attached to is mm -hmm. righteousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, this is a little bit of an aside, but it comes up for me when this question is asked as well. Yes to all of that. And um, it comes also from a talk that's in the course um, around, and sometimes we just have some trauma that we need to address um, in a somatic what you were talking about that first step of like a really somatic way and how to titrate it. So, cause sometimes those loops are really t tight and they come from um, more, a physical response. And so there's a talk where um, I think Jack is talking about like, and I just had to go to therapy at one point, um, you know, after doing all of these practices, there were just some things that it couldn't touch. And so just as a disclaimer, throwing that in to yes to all of this and, um, sometimes those things get thrown in too. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Important. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, why don't yeah. you say where to go? To That's what I'm going to do. Okay. <laughs> totally. So. That's what's next. So we have about 10 minutes left. So um, Ramdev is going to lead us in a meditation. But before we jump in, I really hope that you all will join in this incredible course. Uh, it's about eight hours of lecture and it's lecture of um, Ram Das pre and post stroke and Jack Kornfield and Krishna Das and um, Mirabai Bush and Sharon Salzberg. Um, and then we have these four live calls with different teachers, including Mirabai Star, Krishna Das, Jai Utal and Nina Rao. And then on Thursdays, we'll have practicums where we all get together and to get to be in satsang together. Um, and it really sort of lays out like, these things that we've been talking about, it's, you know, two hours on, you know, what happens when your heart gets dry? How do you drop into loving awareness? And how do you nourish the heart in with these devotional practices? And, you know, how do you, how do you step into service in a real authentic way and much, much more? Um, so if you go to ramdas.org slash heart, um, which is probably where you signed up for this, you will also find the course below it. And you can either just get the course itself or you can uh, sign up for our subscription where you get this course as well as the archived courses from many, many years. I think it's 11 courses. So um, yeah, that starts May 15th and we're really excited about it. I think it's a, uh, just a really lovely offering. Anything you want to add about it, Raghu? Well, let's not forget Ram Dev's Tonglin. Oh, his Ram, yes. Well, I'm just because I I just think it's uh, an extraordinary practice. Yeah. Of uh, it, uh, transforming our own inner stuff and sending out positive yeah. vibrations. I agree. I think it's one of the more powerful practices, and it's in there along with a really sweet, sweet practice with Trudy. Goodman and oh, yeah. Sharon, just it's it's yummy. So we hope we'll see you there. And with that, I, since we haven't got to a practice, let's make sure we do a practice together. So, um, Ramdev, would you take us into a heart yummy goodness practice? I'm not, I'm not heart yummy. I'm, <laughs> heart I'm yummy. <laughs> I'm not guaranteeing yummy. I'm not a cook okay. yummy kind of. <laughs> I've been calling you Ramdas all night long. <laughs> I know. And what was he about? 
Yum, yum, yum. That's yeah, but, yum. But, but Ramdev is actually the name of Shiva, by the way. Oh, not a whole lot of yum. <laughs> so not so yummy. It, anyway, at the end, do I just ring a bell and it's all done or is there some closing remarks? I'll just, yeah, no, when you're done, ring a bell and then we'll just say goodbye to each other. Okay. Okay. Please find a comfortable position and bring your attention into your body. And begin by invoking that which you trust. Invoking in the sense of reaching out, being willing to receive, opening, invoking that which does not change, the spirit of love, the spirit of truth, Christ, your own true nature, Maharaji, the mother, whatever name or nameless. you bring to this. How deeply are you willing to trust as we do this short practice that we can let go of feeling inadequate and using practice as trying to fix or improve as we invoke that which we trust more and more We allow this moment to be exactly what it is, meeting it with great clarity. Regardless of the content, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, just this. And then beginning to go beyond even mindfulness of the content, but what is your relationship with the content? Can it be a heartful one? Can you breathe into your heart as if you had nostrils in the center of your chest? Breathing in love, compassion, breathing out boundlessness, breathing out in all directions infinitely in front and behind to the right and left above and below whatever perception thought emotion arises it arises and passes away in this vast boundless sky of heart mind And when there is grasping, just notice the grasping and come back to being present through the heart. Compassion is learned in this very simple moment where you notice that you're caught in 
some slight judgments, some grasping. Can we come back to being present without criticism, but with mercy for ourselves? That the grasping itself is the gateway to a deeper heartfulness. Back again and again to this spacious heart. A heart that's connected to that which you invoked. It's connected to yourself. Beyond self-improvement. Trusting the spaciousness. A heart that's connected to all sentient beings. People and animals. And the heart that's connected to the earth itself. Spacious heart, connected heart. And as our grasping at separateness, our grasping at our ego identity begins to be just one small point in the vast heart space. The sacred nature of each arising is revealed. Each emotion, each thought, each perception, a reflection of the mother of wholeness, beyond pure and impure, your own nature, identical to that which you invoked in the beginning of practice. Not separate, not two. And finally, naturally arises in this openness, compassion for all beings. I wish that all beings might be free from suffering. That all beings might be free. Coming back into your body. Taking a few breaths. Thank you so much for that. Needed so, so lovely. And thank you everyone for being here, spending your time on this today. Um, 
I did want to answer a couple of things in the chat before we signed off. Sorry to go right to business after that. Um, first, that there there were lots of questions that weren't answered. So you can always uh, show up at the weekly or biweekly satsangs, which are means sacred community virtual calls, or come to this course, and there'll be um, a whole area where you can chat with each other and um, get at, uh, questions answered. And several people have asked about when are the live calls. Um, so we have a Dharma talk with those four different teachers Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then we have Thursday practicums, which are live, um, which will not be recorded. And those are Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Standard Time. So there was just lots of questions about that. So I wanted to make sure you we got that. Sorry to ruin the vibe with it, though. <laughs> it's all one. All one. <laughs> so thank you all so much for being here, for opening your hearts and coming together in sacred community. And thank you, Ramdev and Raghu, for chatting and discussing this incredible topic um, and sharing your stories and wisdom. And uh, hopefully we'll see you on May 15th uh, with Mirror by Star as we uh, kick off this course. Um, and if not, hopefully we'll see you at some some satsangs. So again, it's ramdas.org slash heart uh, if you want to find out more. Thanks, everybody. Be Namaste. well. Namaste. Namaste. Ram. Ram, Ram. Ram, Ram.